books, books, books. Send this Hello, right everybody. to the cloud. Oh, sorry. No worries. <laughs> it, it, it always has to every happen. Every time, dude. It has to happen every time. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Books, Books, Books. It's your host, Tarush, joined by the boys, Karun and Shion, once again. We're As here always. to deliver an enthralling, hot take driven mid season review of the 2021 Formula One season. So, without further ado, well, why don't we go? Why don't we start with one overall top highlight of the first half of the season? It can be anything from a full race to a qualifying lap to a free practice accident, you know? What? Uh... That was oddly specific. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I don't mind. I, I, I've, got, I've got one kind of locked and loaded here. Uh, actually, I just thought about it on the spot. But I would say Yuki Sonoda's team radio has been has been a shining light in this dark world of covid right now no it's uh i generally find it hilarious i get it to the it gets to the point where i'm like he was never taught how to swear right you have people who are blatantly never never learned how to swear correctly and they just they put it in, in all the wrong areas and it doesn't really make grammatical sense anymore what they're saying so i think it's very cute the way he swears so <laughs> i'm gonna go with that as my that. highlight of the season so far Cheyenne, less yuki. Le- yes less yuki but uh i'd say the highlight has been that alonzo lewis battle from oh. the last race that was just some of the best tv or best f1 that i've ever seen in my life so yeah Granted, I've been watching for that long, but that was electric. Imagine watching in 07 when they were teammates, or even 08. I believe 08 as well. Mm-hmm. 07, 08, when they were McLaren teammates, bro, and they had a car to mm. win the championship. I mean, 07, they tied on points at 98 or something. Uh, while Kimmy took it with 99, something like that. So I'm sure there were some unreal battles on track between them two, but definitely a highlight. It was just vintage Alonso coming out and and also the fact that Ocon was, in my opinion, able to win the race from that. That's why it was one of my, my top uh, moments of the season as well. Fair enough. Do you have a unique one? Uh, if I'd gone first, I would have had a unique one. Well, Karun Let's see. Another first. one, another incredible one for sure, um, was uh, Vettel getting second place, even though he didn't really get second place in Hungary. During the rain. Beautiful oh, race. Azerbaijan. Or yeah, in Azerbaijan. Voice. Azerbaijan was he just actually a got it. race, period. Yes. That race, it was like a sprint race in the last two laps. So much happened in that in that race. We also see um, um, Pierre getting on the podium. So I was just all told that was an incredible race. Excellent. Excellent. It has been a hell of a half season so far. Uh, the best one I've seen in all three seasons of Formula One that I've been watching. Yep. Uh, all right, gentlemen, top three drivers of your, of your season so far. And I don't know You're who wants to go Lewis first. You're going to include Lewis and Max or like? You can do whatever you want. Okay. All right. Um, I, I'm going to just remove Lewis and Max from the equation. That's so it's what a bit I did more interesting. You know, like, I just think it's unfair to include them because that just means you're just picking who the third best driver Well, quite is. frankly, I think there's, <laughs> there's, there's a blatant top three and I've tried to avoid them and it's Lewis, Max, Lando. 
Yeah, yeah. I would say like performance wise compared to what I expected going in. Um, I think Pierre's had a great first half of the season. Um, it really like it, it really upsets me that at the beginning, the first few races, there were some strategic mistakes that him and the team made, like um, especially choosing to use um, the wet weather tires or the inters maybe in Monza. I, that was tough to see. Imola, yeah. Imola, sorry. Um, and so, but regardless, I think he's had a great um, season. He's so far, he's just really good in qualifying. Um, the car sometimes just doesn't like, can't perform to keep him in those like p5 p6 but um i'm excited to see the second half of the season uh two i would say is um carlos signs has blown away my expectations um on just learning how to drive that ferrari so well so quickly especially when you uh compare him to danny rick r.i.p um (laughs) number three i would say has listen uh number three oh man this is hard i can't say lando uh you can't say lando because quite frankly we all knew lewis and max were gonna be yeah. right up there yeah that i guess lando would would be there as well i, I don't want to choose lando because i feel like that's also a cop out i would i would say let's see i'm moving down the field We've got the Alpines, you've got the Alphas. Yeah, but we're not an Alpine, you know? No, we uh, are we could say, an we Alpine. Are, we are an Alpine. Okay, I guess Alonzo has been great, to, <laughs> just fun to watch. But I, I think it's worth shouting out um, George Russell for his just continued sustained performance using that car. Um, I almost said Botas, but like... Just no. It's just no, <laughs> I, I still think he's doing a good job for the team because the team is still winning, but... He is a great team player. He's number one in that. I mean, he is, bro. He, he, he is. <laughs> he's caught, yeah. He is a great team player. A- any controversy in my top three songs? So you had Gasly. Gasly uh, signs. into signs into Russell. Okay, Russell over Alonso. Yeah, I, I wanted to shout out Stroll, but I just feel like he hasn't, like, he's had a good season. It just, like, hasn't been, like, outstanding. Do you know what I mean? I don't, like, remember a lot of Stroll moments. Yeah, he, it's been solid, but unspectacular. Has exactly. he podiumed yet? Only said nope, twice. Obviously, one got taken away. He had, that, so. he had that flat tire, unfortunately. Yeah. In Baku. True. Yeah. Shoya? Well, I will say that that's a, that's a brilliant top three. My top three exactly. were in, in a similar area. Um, I will put Lewis in my top three. He's number three, but I will put him in there mostly because I was not a very avid Lewis fan over the past couple of years. And I started to really see the, uh, the grit that he has and also seeing so many different um, just levels of Lewis, not just the, hey, I'm going to qualify first and pull and then just win an easy race. It's I have this contender who's got a faster car than me, who's performing better than me, who's, you know, in some tough situations. And you're really just seeing a gritty, uh, persistent Lewis. And it's like a lot of his, a lot of the championship characteristics that you've seen in drivers of the past. Those are things that I, I maybe didn't identify with him initially. Um, but after this season, he's just really earned all of my respect. So for me, he's a top three racer because in the past he wasn't. Um, so yeah he's coming in at number three 
Uh, number two was easy for me. It was it was Norris because of the uh, you saw the progression that he had over the last couple of years. He came into McLaren. He's a young driver, uh, and he just gets better and better and better. And I just haven't seen someone perform at a level where they continue to improve and continue to impress and just get the most out of their car. And also their team is supporting them in an incredible way. Um, so it's just been electric to follow him and watch him and have him as the turbo driver. Um, and then finally, Carlos, Carlos has, I think in a, in a really challenging position in the sense that, um, he left McLaren, which is a team that's now doing well. So there's the pressure of, Hey, I've left a team that's doing well. Um, so I got to perform well or equally as well. Kind of like the Ricardo pressure after he left Red Bull. Right. Um, and he's really getting the most out of the car that he can. And I think, you know, if Ferrari is able to develop a car, that's a little bit more competent and a little bit more reliable, um, not in terms of like engine reliability, but in terms of performance, um, then Carlos is one of the guys on the grid that's getting the most out of his car every single time. He's incredibly um, uh, reliable, but he's also yeah, incredible. Like he has this game time strategy that comes in. Um, so his ability to kind of make decisions on the fly, like we saw in this last race, um, I think speaks leaps and bounds. And he's just, I th you know, a couple races ago, he was an underrated racer, but I think people are really starting to catch on to the fact that you know, he stepped up to the pressure of replacing Sebastian Vettel. He stepped up to the pressure of joining Ferrari where, where Charles was definitely the number one driver. Um, and he's showing that, hey, I'm, I'm on even keel with Charles. So um, for me, those are the top three. All, all excellent points. I'm going to very eloquently said as well on each driver, Shion. Um, for my number three, I'm going to go with Mick Schumacher. I think the performance he put in Hungary with the Haas, where he actually battled half of a Red Bull in Max Verstappen, mm -hmm. but he still, <laughs> he still tried. I mean, he's an F2 champion, right? So there's no, there's no doubting his race craft and the ability in a top car. Obviously, you can't jump straight into F1, straight into a top car. Very few drivers can do that. And even less so nowadays, they have the opportunity to kind of do that step up from a lower division right into a championship contending car. It takes a couple of years of calibration. And I think he's learning every race. He's such an intelligent guy. I think there's no doubt that Mick Schumacher uh, will be in a top drive in the next couple of years. I think he's done fantastically in that Haas. It's just so hard to properly read him or analyze his, his ability in such a pathetic car. So he's done. Just he's done undeveloped. Undeveloped, not fast, just a heap of crap. But he is just doing far better than Mazepin is. Um, so that, that's, that's enough. When you're doing that much better than your, than your teammate, you know, you know they're doing something, right? Um, my number two is going to be Nico Latifi because he is outscoring the great George Russell as of right now. <laughs> <laughs> he may not be beating him in any other category, oh, like uh, qualifying or any other race finishes. I'm not sure what their head-to-head -head in races is. It's probably like 9-2 or something um you know we all know that george is a, is a star of the future but the fact that nicholas latifi is outscoring him means he's the <laughs> second best driver the season so far. don't tell me you're gonna pick like kimmy as your top one <laughs> my number one is carlos signs i really I, yeah. I thought i'd be the only one to pick him to be quite frank but every, every i mentioned him every time on this podcast that he is just criminally underrated but I think he is really getting the respect he deserves now in that Ferrari. I mean, Shion, I can't put it much better than you did. Replacing Sebastian Vettel, going from McLaren into a struggling Ferrari team, the way he is 
accommodated himself in that team and integrated just seems uh, flawless. And he's really challenging Charles, who I thought would blow him away because Charles is one of my favorite drivers and also a star of the future, um, potential championship winner in the right car. So the fact that he's level on points with him has more podiums. He has two podiums to Charles's one. And fewer polls. Fewer, fewer polls. Fair enough. But I've never found Carlos to be a Saturday driver. He is very much a, uh, a Sunday driver. He's just so much better in the race. Like, like you know, there's, there's drivers like Charles who excel in both. There's yeah. drivers like George who currently in that Williams excels on a Saturday. So for me, Carlos has been one that excels always on a Sunday. Um, I think he also has awesome that skill of tire management. I mean, he also has that communication with the team already, right? In Hungary, yeah. he, he called a strategy from the car, and then he called Lewis's strategy, but they mm-hmm. obviously couldn't really do anything about it because they pitted the Mercedes would pass them. They didn't pit. Yeah. Mercedes was going to pass them. But he's, he's just intelligent and, and brilliant. I think, I think he's doing wonders in that Ferrari. So I look forward to, uh, to that blossoming. It, it could be a five, like a four- or five-year um, duo at Ferrari yeah. until Mick is ready. Mm-hmm. So very, very, well, until Mick is ready or Arthur Leclerc is ready. <laughs> I really, I really hope they don't do it. Like they don't pick Charles as like the clear one either. Like I, I like this, like the even battle between the two of them. Like I would Definitely. argue that there's no, there's no reason that they would say Charles is the number one. I think he's performing incredibly well and there's no, yeah. Charles isn't doing something way better than Carlos is. In fact, he might even be making a few more mistakes than Carlos is at this point. So, uh, so, so yeah. Did you guys listen to Charles's uh, Beyond the Grid episode? Awesome. He, he was talking about awesome. how, like, even with Seb, like, and I, I believe him to some extent that there really wasn't a one-two driver when Seb was uh, declining in performance, that it was very much the same because, again, we all, like, people, us who have just started watching, I don't know, John's been watching a bit longer than you, Karun, and I, but... um. Seb is a four-time world champion, so how could they just have some guy who's outperforming him in eight races be the number one? So there's, I, know, I, I really don't believe there's a number one mentality right now in that team. But Charles we'll obviously has a five-year contract. He Charles is also one of the more humble racers on the grid, so I think that you know he is looking out for the team appearance, and he, I think he's more of a Ferrari team person mm. um so in the sense i don't think you'll ever admit that you know there was there was a decline in the sebastian relationship even though we've seen in different ways that there there was a little bit of animosity at the end there um but yeah well they're racing drivers if there was no animosity like they they wouldn't have made it to the top <laughs> but there, i think true. there was always respect yes excellent gents on to agenda item two biggest shock of the season and uh, I don't know if we need a moment to think, but Karun went first last time. I was wondering, Shion, you were locked and loaded, ready to jump straight in. But it can't be. The caveat I'll here is it can't be Akon's maiden win. Uh, <laughs> the biggest shock <laughs> of the season. <laughs> Uh, well, it's not just because of Akon's win, though, right? It's it's because of all the other things that happened in that race. I think that race in and of itself, like, kept me on the edge of my seat the entire time. Um, you know, whether it's the crash at the start, whether it's Hamilton's mistake. I mean, that's maybe, maybe that's one of my biggest shocks. 
uh, it's just seeing these Lewis Hamilton alone lights out and away we go with, with, a, with a him versus the medical car, which is insane. Or, or when you see George Russell come out in second place. I mean, those things, that race and all just like, it was so early in the morning. I was so ready to go to bed, but there was nothing that could make me go to sleep during that race. Um, so multiple events throughout that, throughout that race that uh, shocked me into staying awake at six in the morning. What you want next? Yeah, I think, Sean, you brought up a great one. The, uh, the Lewis Hamilton alone on the grid. I don't think we'll see <laughs> scenes like that again. Ever. One singular car. I mean, there was like that oh, Grand Prix, what was it, US Grand Prix that had six cars on the grid, do the Bridgestone tires and the Goodyear or something. Um, that had six, but one, one solo dolo car. That's, yeah. For me, I would have to say... Ferrari's two poles um, and the fact that they're both Leclerc. I, I mean, we all, as I mentioned before, Carlos Sainz is more of a Sunday driver than a Saturday driver. And Charles Leclerc won like that award for most poles in the season in 2019. So he excels on a Saturday. But the fact is we knew, well, we knew how poor the Ferrari was in 2020. And for them to claim a couple pole positions, albeit like, sure, they were on street circuits. It's not like you're a normal circuit. But to have a car that really excelled in that kind of uh, format was just spoke to how how well the boys and girls in Marinella have been doing, but also what great what a great driver Charles is. And yeah, his his shunt in Monaco may have helped him, but in the end, we all that was there's no way he meant to do that because he couldn't start the race. And Carlos was on was looking like he could take pole himself. Uh, Max and Carlos were coming at him fast, so. For me, it has to be the fact that Ferrari have taken two pole positions and they were two laps away from winning Silverstone. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to a 2021 where Ferrari are up there competing for race wins because that's what the sport needs. Mm-hmm. I would say mine was um, on the sprint race restart in Azerbaijan when Lewis <laughs> locked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was essentially a sprint to the finish. Um, And when Lewis locked out, I remember like jumping off the couch and being like, can't say it. Uh, That's crazy. (laughs) Especially because Max had just crashed out as well. Like, well, that was early in the race, but Checo being in second, my turbo driver, uh, him just going into first was crazy, especially because this was before red bull had really started their like rain um because the start of the rain right that was the start, that was of, start their, of five their four or five race streak where they just were like that we're the top and- dog here oh no because race. max had won monaco so it was the second sorry yeah that's yeah. true it was it was part two except without max this time mm-hmm. um but yeah like obviously accidental mistake by lewis but it was still a crazy moment absolutely and that's and what, what else what else is crazy to think about is that here's here's Max, who's poised to easily take 25 points. Yeah. We lose him. We're like, oh, wow, okay, Lewis is just going to win the race. That's an easy 25 points that Max – or the, the tires just kind of lost. And the constructor's skewed now. Yeah, and, and your, your emotions well are, okay, this is an easy 25 for Mercedes. And all of a sudden, Mercedes is out, and then it's Red Bull again. Yeah. That whole just, like, up and down was Just bizarre. back and forth, dude. Yeah. It's crazy that even without, like, races where – like either Lewis or Max are, you know, making mistakes or something happens. It's the fact that like 
um, Red Bull finally has like that second driver where it's not like, oh, Botas in the Mercedes just gets to win now. Um, like having that like competition there has made this season just way more exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'm really looking forward to the second half. Um, I don't know enough about the tracks to be like, it really is advantageous to whoever. Yeah, it's a mystery which car actually still excels where. I think because the Mercedes improved so rapidly once they brought the upgrade to Silverstone, I don't know which car is better where. But yeah, it's yeah. what Red Bulls wanted, right? A second driver who can, who can collect the points if Max makes a mistake or, you know, that was not his mistake. He got hit by some debris, but um, this is what they needed. So, you know, Pierre Gasly 2024, baby. <laughs> but I think that that kind of just got that discussion definitely led us naturally into what, what has been your guys' favorite race of the year. And, uh, you know, both of you have gone first. So, so I'll, I'll go ahead and, and there's no bias here, but I'm going to have to say Silverstone. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know hungry, I know hungry at everything, but that's just the fact that I got to go there on the Saturday and see the sprint race. And I got, I can't tell you enough how much, TV does not do Formula One justice in how fast these cars are going. Uh, it's absolutely awesome in the way the crowd gets into it. So, it, it, I mean, the, 50, the, the, the Sunday race was also spectacular because Charles was this close to winning it. Mm-hmm. I was so ready for Charles. And I just bought a Ferrari shirt there at Silverstone 2 that day. <laughs> so I was so ready for a Ferrari win. Um, but I, I thought it had everything. Excitement. You have finally had the two leaders clash. Um, it, it had a, you had a Ferrari lead. You had Lewis come back from a 10 second penalty as, as exciting and crazy hungry was. And realistically, that's probably really my favorite race of the, the year. I, I, I was thoroughly, thoroughly entertained with Silverstone and, um, I can't wait to go back there on a Sunday. Quite jealous of you that I feel, I feel like that was an incredible experience. I can't wait to go to the first F1 race. But I, I, um, I can't even lie. Like, the whole view, because on one of those straights, like the hangar straight, you can see, you can kind of see Scott cops way into the distance. Then you can <laughs> see Magus Begus, Begus Chapel. Oh. And then you get into Stowe Corner and bro, Stowe Corner is electric, but cops is more electric. But mm-hmm. <laughs> just the whole, the whole, the whole combo of, of cops into Maggots, Beckett's Chapel, Hangar Straight, Stowe. The, the TV doesn't, doesn't do the sound of the engine justice. Like when you FaceTime me, that was insane. <laughs> Bizarre. Like, yeah, insane. I'm glad you guys jumped on FaceTime because I need <laughs> you guys to experience that with me. Um, I will say that my favorite race of the season was probably France. Uh, there was just mm. so much good racing going on. There's so many different elements of a race. Uh, no big crashes or anything like that. It was mostly just strategy, right? So. Um, the undercut of Max on Hamilton, for instance, I mean, I thought that was a brilliant move, right? And that kept you at the edge of your seat. You're like, all right, what's going to happen here? Is it going to pan out? Um, and, you know, especially after Max losing first place on the first corner, they've been, they were almost fighting the whole time. So seeing the undercut strategy pan out was incredible. Um, but kind of going back to the last topic, where we were talking more about like team strategy. Perez had an incredible role to play in this race, right? Staying out for, for longer on the tires and then going on the hards again. Um, I mean, that was brilliant. He was able to do the tire management, slow down Lewis. And, and I think that was a huge team play there. Um, and then, and then finally the, the last 15 ish or so laps where Max was absolutely just on it. Like he was just chugging. He's like, I see Hamilton. I need Hamilton. And, uh, the second to last lap or the last lap, whatever it was where he, where he passed Hamilton, um, 
Yeah, I, all told, I think there were so many different elements of, of great team strategy in that race. Um, and it just stood out to me as, you know, when, when we were talking about favorite race, that was just one of my, my top races. It's the team strat that we've always seen Mercedes excel at that finally mm -hmm. Red Bull pulled out the hat. Exactly, yeah. And you've they seen need Red more Bull kind of get screwed over. Exactly, yep. For me, I'd have to say Imola. It was just, um, like, just right from the start on Saturday, like, Checo out-qualifying Max. Just, like, a crazy way to start the race. And then mm -hmm. lap one, as soon as the lights go out, Max with a brilliant move onto the left of Lewis because he was looking for Checo on the right, which I didn't understand until uh, Palmer explained it to me. Um, <laughs> but, right... I'll skip over the crash because, like, that's just, like, beyond the funny bird. The, the touch. Right. The touch. <laughs> the little bit of wetness that got in the way. Um, <laughs> but, and then, right, Lewis spinning out um, or locking up, I guess, and then having the awareness to go into reverse or, like, doing all the gear magic that he did to get back mm -hmm. on track. And mm -hmm. then the comeback drive. That's when I, I think that was the first comeback drive for Lewis this season of now many. Um, and he's that's died before. Like, like what Cheyenne said, but I haven't seen it. <laughs> like Cheyenne said, like watching him do that has made me respect him way more than I did before, where I thought he was just the guy who got pulled and won. Um, but especially on a track like Imola, where it's kind of, it's a little bit more challenging. It's hard. It's yeah. oh, like the Hungar ring last... came back to P2 as well. Yeah. <laughs> he's fantastic. I agree. Um, Sir like Lewis. That battle with Lando was, I think, also another one of my favorite um, set of few laps in that season. Though, like, right, mm -hmm. Lando had way worse tires than, like, say, Alonso did. But, um, like, it was still fantastic to watch. That was just an awesome race. Absolutely. You, one might say it was uh, one of Lewis's best performances, which brings us to our next uh, question for the midseason review. Who has been Lewis's best, the best moment? <laughs> <laughs> I could make it specific to Lewis. Um, no, what's what's the best performance of the season thus far? It can be Nico Rosberg in the commentary box to <laughs> someone on FP1 putting in a banging a lot. <laughs> uh, Karun, I think it's over to you. It's back to me. Best it's performance. <laughs> Wow. If you so have nothing locked in and loaded, I uh, I can jump in here. It's I was gonna say Lewis at Imola, honestly, it's but fair. just because it the the one in Hungary happened so early in the race that there was a lot of time on his side still, mm -hmm. right? Whereas the one that happened in Imola was I think there maybe they were halfway or two thirds of the way through the race. I don't remember exactly. And just with the the amount of speed at which he was able to overtake cars on that track to get back into the position that he got into was mind boggling to me. Because as soon as it happened, I basically wrote him off, and I was like, oh wow, like Max is getting off to a nice start. Like you know, I'm a Red Bull fanboy, so it, it made my heart very happy. But then watching. Lewis just stormed back in that short amount of time was, was mind-blowing. Excellent. I love it. Sean, you, you ready for us? or Let's, let's hear yours, Tarush. All right. I'm going to go with Lando Norris's Q3 second flying lap or first flying lap, I don't remember, in Austria, where he was a 10th 
a couple hundredths away from taking pole. He started, it was his first uh, career start on the front grid and he held off Lewis for what, 20 laps? Uh, Lewis even commented on the radio how well Lando had positioned himself to defend against him. And he ended up beating Bottas by the end of the race uh, to claim a podium, I believe, if I, my memory serves me right. So for, for me, that was just exceptional. Like we all expect the one P1 through four is going to be Mercedes, Red Bull. Uh, but the fact that, Land, you know, fine, Charles put his Ferrari on pole a couple of times, but it's a Ferrari that's done, you know, historically well in the past five years. McLaren's been nowhere close to winning a race, but for him to take a front grid on top of just the excellent performances he's been putting in this year, amazing. And, and I want more as, as, you know, F1 transitions to the generation of the future. It's, it's really up to Max, Charles, Norris, and George to, to really battle it out. So I, I really enjoyed seeing a little bit, a tiny bit of Norris versus Max until Max pulled away and it was Norris versus uh, Hamilton, which uh, another great battle. So that, that, that's, that's what takes the cake for me. Uh, speaking of George, I think one of my uh, one of the best performances for me was oh. George's uh, Silverstone weekend. Yeah, it, it was just unbelievable. I mean, I I can't imagine what it was like to actually be in the crowd and hear the roar. But just well, that was uh, Friday. Just, just, yes, but um, even his performance on Saturday during the spring qualifying race, he still finished top ten, which is which is brilliant. You should um, a fighter, you know, every time he passed me, the whole crowd just. <laughs> went wild for George. <laughs> that's what i'm saying it's just so electric and that's the first time we're seeing we're seeing george really get to squeeze the most out of the williams at his home track and the, the roars out here just on tv it actually stood out to me as a, as a whole different experience um so so him to take that williams and put it up there in, in eighth position at first and then ninth position during sprint qualifying um, I think speaks leaps and bounds to, to where George has come. And, you know, I could say a lot about George and Williams or Williams is under new leadership now. Um, and, you know, George seems to have this revitalized hunger from the end of last season uh, where, you know, he got the chance in the Mercedes and, and you could see he was a little bit frustrated that he was going back and not being able to get that seat in Mercedes. Uh, but now that Williams is giving everything that they have and he's seeing a team that's uh, so motivated to give, this driver who's destined to be one of the greats in the sport, everything that they can, you know, the legacy starting to give me some chills and just to see him really get the most out of that. I can only imagine what uh, Sir Frank Williams was feeling when he saw uh, George's performance in Silverstone. So because of that, George, George. Excellent. I love that. I love that. I love honestly everyone's opinion on every single thing that we've discussed so far. Um, next up is it's, it's a relatively brief one, but what is the race that you are looking to the forward? What is the race you're looking forward to the most after the summer break? Um, just to give you a rundown, we've got Spa, Zandvoort, Monza, Sochi, Turkey, Japan, USA, Mexico, Brazil, TBC, Saudi, and Abu Dhabi. I gotta say, I've I and, on Grand... sorry, sorry, I'm just mm -hmm. before you go, and there is a sprint race announced for Monza. The other one, in my opinion, will be in Japan. Mm -hmm. 
So, I mean, Suzuka is, of course, one of the greats, but I think um, just from all my hours of playing uh, Gran Turismo on, on the PlayStation, my favorite track of all time was Spa. That's the track I would go to every single time. Um, that, that uphill turn, the uphill right-hander into the left-hander into the incredible top speed, uh, top speed um, straight, uh, I think is brilliant. And I think the way that the track actually then comes to curve around with that high-speed corner, uh, high-speed left-hander after you know, a couple turns after that, um, that one always keeps me at the edge of my seat. And that's the one that uh, I've raced with an F1 car. Every time I like get unlocked the F1 car in that game, I'm just on that track trying to get the most out of it. Um, so I love it. It's incredible. And I think that's, uh, that's for sure. It's going to be an incredible mid race season, mid season race. Very, very understandable. It's, it's a fantastic track and mm -hmm. it's one that I really, what I want to do is road trip one day from like London road trip to spa, watch the whole race mm -hmm. and the road trip that I bet just be a great experience. Incredible. Yeah. Um, I, I would have to go with Interlagos personally, because <laughs> 2019 Interlagos brought a brilliant uh, battle between Max and Lewis, as well as, you know, that whole Gasly-Lewis drag race to the finish line. And it was just amazing that, you know, both of them were undercutting each other. It was a two-stopper and, and there was safety cars and it was, it was a madness. There's great overtaking in Interlagos and the fact that it was omitted from the 2020 calendar, albeit grave situ situation, um, that, that has to take the cake for me. I will give a quick special shout out to Zandvoort because I want to see what the orange army is going to be like in Netherlands, <laughs> just to see them in Austria. <laughs> and we've already had Lewis's home race where Max crashed out. I think Zandvoort could go a little crazy, but um, I, I know I gave two opinions there, so I'll leave the rest of the races for Karun. <laughs> um, I, I'm pretty excited for the Saudi Arabian one just because it's another street circuit and I personally love watching street circuits and I was really bummed out when they got rid of Singapore which is one of my favorite ones even though it's hell for the drivers it's just like a night race in the streets of Singapore it's, it's just crazy like um, also because the track is there's like not much overtaking opportunity I feel like um, if not that then Abu Dhabi just because I think it's going to come down to the last race of the season just because it has been maddeningly close. Um, so I'm just excited to like hear, you know, hopefully they bring Nico Rosberg out to run through all the SWS analytics to tell me exactly who can finish where <laughs> for what to happen. So I don't lose my mind. My, my question, I think will get answered on the next F1 nation podcast. Let's go. Uh, so <laughs> I'm, I'm genuinely excited to hear what they think. Let the viewers know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sent in a question to the F1 Nation podcast. Uh, I was wondering what their dream commentary duo was, as, as, as your boys gave it last time. I myself said Jensen and uh, Nicky Lauda. I think uh, one of you guys said Nicky Lauda and James Hunt. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> and then, Sean, who'd you say? Oh, I can't remember. I think it was uh, Helmet and someone else. I can't remember. It was like Zach Helmet Brown. Marco and the Grand Prix. <laughs> the, the Grand Prix. No, Steiner. 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 Oh, Helmet it should have been Cyril Abitabul. Abitabul. And Christian Horner. <laughs> oh, man. Wow, that would actually be incredible. Christian and Cyril, oh, my days. <laughs> yes. 
but you know other things also just like in general i'm excited for like over the summer break there's a lot gonna, there's a lot that's gonna happen mm-hmm. i really think it's a time for ricardo to settle into his car because slowly over the last couple of days the media has been super on ricardo um so i'm really hoping that he has some time to settle into the car get comfortable with it uh and get some of the performance that lando's been able to get out of it ricardo i mean he's an incredible driver had an incredible stint with red bull and he's been uh performing under some high stresses and he's been switching a lot of teams so that's one of the that's one of the other things outside of circuits that i'm really looking forward to seeing yeah i was talking to my cousin today and i i think as a racing driver you only get a half season mm-hmm. to to adapt after that if he doesn't perform anymore i i know he's a three-year contract but like yeah. they will be worried so i think i think you only get a half season it does it does bring me to our last talking point here Trione. um i have three quick fire questions who will be taking that second mercedes seat who will win the championship and name one bold prediction for the rest of the season All right, I can go first on this one. All right. Um, okay, first off, uh, who will take that next Mercedes seat? Uh, I personally have started to think that it's going to be George. I, I think that um, Lewis only has a couple of years left in the car. I really think that George has shown his stripes, and I think it's time for him to step up so he can learn from Lewis, and Toto can, can breathe the next generation of Mercedes champion. Um, I love George. Most of our viewers love George, but uh, I think it's really time for them to make that change. I think with the new regulation changes as well, it's a great time to, you know, uh, start from more of a level playing field. Uh, and it's, it's, it's where I think George will be. Um, next up, who's going to take the championship? Personally, I think it's going to be Max. If, if it wasn't uh, for a couple, you know, mistakes slash accidents as things out of his control, uh, Max would have had a considerable lead. Um, there's a lot of the season left and I, and there's a lot of, you know, extenuating circumstances in the first half of the season. So I believe that Max will be able to, will have a better stroke of luck moving forward. Um, and then what was the third one? One bold prediction. One bold prediction. Uh, my bold prediction is, uh, either Alonzo to score a podium at a, at a rainy race somewhere, um, or, uh, Mick to score a point at some point. Wow. Mm-hmm. Make the, okay. the that car mm-hmm. that car is and, truly horrific <laughs> and one other thing that i will say i forgot to mention at first when i'm talking about the top three performers of the season um if i was to pick a fourth it would be the rain i think the rain has created these incredible situations and it's it, it's been a, an incredible player in the game but it yes, always that's is my, those are my top three um one, I'm, I'm going to have to agree with Cheyenne that it's going to be George Russell just because, like, with the regulation changes, it would not make sense to bring on a driver ne- at the end of next year um, just because, like, the cars are going to be so different that it's not worth getting rid of someone who already has a year of experience in the new Mercedes car. Um, so it's either going to be this year or they're going to wait, like, two more years after that, I think. Um and as much as I love Botas, I don't think he's really made a good case for himself this year, especially since he's fourth right now in the championship behind Lando, right? Well, fifth, like, right? Isn't he behind Checo still? 
No, I just pulled it up. Checo's still four points behind him. Okay. Um, so, so standings are Norris at 113 in third. Um, fourth is Botas with 108. And fifth is Perez with 104. So it's, it's really tight. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think Jordan's going to take it. As far as the Drivers' Championship, as much as it pains me to say this, I think Lewis is going to take it. The performance gains that Mercedes has made, at least in like the past two races, has I think brought them a lot more level with Red Bull than like we we really think, and I think we talked about this last like last pod as well, where like they seem like they're invested in this year's car still, um, like the perform like they're still making improvements to it, and Lewis has this fire about him that I I think you know chasing number eight it just he he's pulling out performances that I would have never expected from anyone really. Um, and Max has got a long, long career ahead of him. He's only what, 21, 22, something like that. He's 23. Uh, 23. No, he's 24 uh, now. No, he's oh. going to be 24 in uh, December. I think so he's old. December or something like that. Yeah. No, nah, okay. I share a birthday with Max Verstappen. and he's exactly one year younger to me. <laughs> um, and then my oh, so he's 23. Team. I'm 24. What yeah. Yeah. What? <laughs> Yeah, he's 23. <laughs> uh, my hot take is that Checo will finish third in the Drivers' Championship. Over Lando? Uh, he will out, out, outdo Lando and Botas. Um, Devastating. Like, as far as consistency goes, I think his consistency has been greatly increasing with every passing race. Um, and, right, like, I love Lando, but, like, the circumstances and under which he has scored like really high numbers of points has been um, right with when there's like rain or some other crazy thing going on. There's an external factor and the team strategy is still very focused on beating Ferrari, not winning races, um, which I think is detrimental to him, like fighting for third and doing, taking more risky moves that are necessary for that car to be scoring podium points. I'll say it's very fair, but I will also say that Lando has been the most consistent driver on the grid so far. Scoring yeah. pretty much, he has like, made almost no yeah, mistakes. Yeah. He's top six, right? Yeah. Top six every Where, time? Exactly. So his opportunity to score more points is, is few and far between, but yeah. he consistently scores. Whereas Perez is set up to score more points, but he has been making some more critical mistakes, like in the sprint yeah. race, for instance, um, or, or trying to pass Charles on the outside um, in Austria. Um, those are just some of the... Um, things that maybe he'll he'll get over um so the only reason i'm saying this is because i am wearing the lando hat and i am going <laughs> to be an avid lando supporter and have to say something for my boy i i would have to yeah, slightly disagree i think yeah they made perfect team calls but i think lando's massively outdriven that mclaren especially when you look at where his teammate is so um for myself i will say that Valtteri Bottas is keeping a seat. It just seems like he is doing marginally enough, marginally enough for them to keep faith. And they've won. Marginally. They've won. (laughs) They've won three championships on the, on the trot with him. 2018, 2019, 2020, 2017. So four. And I don't know if he's done enough for them to lose faith yet. He's a race winner. He's a pole sitter. I think they might make George wait it out a little bit. Damn. I will say Toto doesn't seem like the guy that takes marginally enough. He seems like the guy that's going to 
take the gamble. But fair, to your point. To each their own. I had to create a little controversy here. Absolutely. Can't believe um, it's not Botas. I, I just, I don't know. I think I have a gut feeling they're going to stick it out with him for two more years. Uh, what that means for George Russell, I don't know. Maybe he'll win a championship what? in the Williams next year. Uh, as hey, there's for, still more than half a season left here. He could win this year. He could. It's probably mathematically out of it. <laughs> Ooh, I think Lewis is going to win. That's a layup for me. I'm a huge Sir Lewis guy. There's nothing mm. else to say. He's going to win. He's going to claim the eighth. He's going to be the goat. And that's all no she wrote. No justifications. <laughs> you can't mess with that logic. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I'm British. He's British. That's We're it. British. <laughs> what do you say? What? What? <laughs> and as for my one bold prediction, I'm actually going to go the polar opposite as Karun, but caveat it a little bit and say that either Lando Norris or Carlos Sainz are going to win a race in the second half of the season. I mean, imagine it rains in Turkey again. We had Lance Stroll Stroll on pole last season. We actually saw one of Lewis's best drives ever. I don't know what you guys are saying, that you've never seen Lewis drive like a champ before. He drove from P6 to P1 on that grid in the wet, and it was a huge challenge. And he had the championship on the line that day. Like he, you know, he could have wrapped it up by finishing a comfortable P6 or whatever. But he won that race like an absolute dog that he is. Yeah, but but you just you just negated the point. He could have won the championship in Turkey, and there was still like how many races left of the season? No, that's more of a point to Botas that Botas is a great number two, that he's far enough away from Lewis <laughs> that Lewis can comfortably win it at his own pace. At a marginal rate. He's no, he's no Nico Rosberg who's pressuring him for it. Uh, so, yeah, but I think, I do think, and I mean, to your point, it will take different circumstances for either of what, the one of those to win a race. But there's no way we have 12 normal races until the end of the season. Of We're going to have some mm-hmm. obstacles. We're going to have some rain, some weird situation. We're going to have sprint quality. So, I very I'm much believe for at least three more crazy races. At least it's a lot to ask for, but I mean, if Pierre Gasly gets another podium, like I, I hope nothing but the best for Pierre Gasly going forward as well. At he's the end the of the day, PG. he's our guy. Huh? He is the guy. I said he's the good PG. What's the bad PG? Paul George. Paul George. <laughs> <laughs> Paul George is was... anyway. He had an okay run in the playoffs. But anyways, that's irrelevant. This is Box, Box, Box out. We love box, you. Box, Anyone who's listening to this. And we look forward to delivering you an even crazier uh, second part to the midseason review. Cheers. MashaAllah.